Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to a Veterans Podcast. Uh, today's episode, uh, who do we have on today? Today we have... EN2, Surface Warfare, Air Warfare, Randell, Jelnick. Was that a Navy rank? Yeah, it's a E5, second class petty officer. Oh, all right. With, like, her additional qualifications because she's a superstar. I just don't understand anything about the Navy. Every time somebody says that, like on the other podcast we did, I was like, what What are you talking about? Oh, the Coast Guard one? Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was her. Look, um, it's about to get real Navy up in here, and yeah. I'm pumped. And she served how long? She served from 2009 to 2020. Okay. She just got out recently. Oh, yeah. What month? Uh, we'll have to ask her. I can't remember. All right. We'll get started here in a second. Um, today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans, whether Guard, Reserve, Active, or even a bad discharge looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin veteran looking for answers, whether a simple question about benefits or currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or on our website at aveteranspodcast.com. So let's go ahead and get her on the line. All right. Hello. 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 How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I'm I'm here with Noah. It's Hello. Me. You know Kelsey. Hello. Um. So we are here, and we're excited you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Did you remember to put your socks on? Um. Hold on. Let me check under the desk. Yeah, my socks are on, but I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> I don't think you're the, I think you're the second person. Oh no, wasn't it the golf guy? Somebody, never mind. I thought somebody else said that too when they were doing their interview that yeah. they were no pants on. It was probably the Marine. Yeah, I don't, she didn't have a pants that required. Should I go grab one? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Thank goodness it is not, not a video call. Right. Oh, who? <laughs> so, so I heard you, uh, uh, Kelsey Gowden gave me a rundown of your service and little things, but I heard you just got out. I did, February 29th. Oh, wow. Right before right. the pandemic. It's like you got out of the Navy right. and brought just the pandemic time. for you. Yeah, the pandemic happened. It was like a celebration of end of service. It was like reminding you what life is like on a ship. Now you're stuck in your house. and 
you know. Yeah, it's like being deployed all over again. <laughs> well, honestly, like, I would rather be away from the military during COVID because I've seen what the Army's been doing. And, like, yeah, I would rather be away from the military during the COVID thing. But that's a whole different oh, topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I'm, I'm good over here sitting in my house. <laughs> so... um Randy is calling us from Texas, uh, so she's another one of our out-of-state veterans on the line, which is super fun, and I've known her since 2009 when I came back in the military. We went to school together, and I was technically in charge of her, um, and she mm -hmm. would tell you that I was a superb leader. So superb. She, she yelled a lot. <laughs> She's so loud. Never. I don't know what you're talking about. And that's coming from somebody who's loud. That's funny. <laughs> um, all right. So why don't we just jump right in? And um, how about you tell us why you joined the military and if there was any specific reason why you chose the Navy? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I joined in 2009. Um, I was 27. I was gonna, I was gonna join the uh, WNBA, but I'm short, like I'm only five feet tall. Um, I'm also not good at basketball, so wait, what? It was <laughs> wait, Noah's trying to catch up. He's trying to catch like, up. I'm, I'm listening, and I, it just caught me <laughs> off guard because I was like, I was thinking of another branch or something. Then you just said the WNBA, and I'm like, what? Wait, what? So yeah, that was good. Oh no, <laughs> like basketball, but I can dribble um, and airball it that's pretty much the extent of my um expertise in basketball so i decided to pack up my things from my little country life in Tulane, california and move to the city of san francisco um and, you know get wild and be a college student um and as life happened i ended up with a child so uh that was at 24 and a couple years later at 27 i decided to join the navy Mostly because I look better on top of the water than in the water. Um, and I didn't really think any of the other branches were as cool as the Navy because I do like the water. So I joined the Navy. Nice. And I headed off to boot camp in the spring of 2009. Awesome. So, yep. being that you were older. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What was it like going to boot camp as a 27 year old surrounded by? Like seventeen and eighteen year olds. Um, it was like working in a daycare. Similar. <laughs> um, I can believe that. I think there was a group of us that were like between probably twenty four and twenty seven, and I think there was one that was thirty. But um, I think when you're a little bit older, you know, to keep your ears open and your mouth shut. But I'm still working on that now, and I'm almost <laughs> forty, so. Um, I think I did better than some of my peers, but it is a little bit like babysitting because there's a lot of peers at a young age. I, I left a two and a half, almost three year old behind, but there's a lot more peers for your parents apparently when you're 17, 18 years old. So it was quite the experience. I mean, I could get that. I cried a lot in boot camp. I'm a crier, anyways, by nature, but I cried a lot because I miss my parents. That's surprising because you're pretty loud and bluffy. I don't see a lot of tears coming from you. Well, look. But now that I think about it, yeah, 17, I'm, I'm not afraid for my parents, though. Um, 
I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless. About what? I don't know. Um, okay, so. I make people speechless. Huh? I usually make people pretty speechless. Oh, geez. Here we go. Um, yeah, that's only just different just because a lot of the, obviously, the couple people that we've interviewed before, they all joined for 9-11. They joined at 17, 18. So it's interesting to get a perspective from somebody who's, who joined at that age when obviously you're way more mature than any of the people that are 17, 18. So but right. I think it's pretty cool. So um, why did you get out? I mean, I, when I joined the Navy, I kind of always set myself up to, because of the reason of wanting to get an education when I initially went in because I had some college done that I wasn't finished, I always set myself up to choose either way at my four-year mark or the end of my enlistment to either re-enlist or get out. So I kept going to school. After I got my bachelor's degree, I continued um, grad school. So at every end of service, I really thought and, you know, thought about the pros and cons of if it was best for me to reenlist or not. And at the time of this end of service, I chose that for the age of my children, um, for my mental health and my growth personally and professionally, that it was best for me and my family for me to get out. Hey, it's a, <clears throat> a pretty wise decision with kids, and I'm sure that was a very difficult thing. But um, in, in part of your prior to getting, like, how long did you know that you were getting out? Um, I re-enlisted three times. So okay. when I left California on my last re-enlistment and was restationed in Maryland, I initially wanted out then. Um, at the time, due to other circumstances in the Navy, it was recommended that I re-enlist and take the opportunity of a re-enlistment bonus by getting out and being legally held in service due to a pending case. So I re-enlisted, and after I re-enlisted, I transferred to a new command in Maryland, and within a couple of days of transferring there, they closed out the case. So... I probably could have let my service end at that time and wouldn't have been legally held in. But once I got to Maryland and I was there, I for sure knew that that was my, my last enlistment and that I wanted out. That would put me a little bit past my 10-year mark, which most people say is over the hump. But yeah. I also knew that I would be about halfway through grad school and I would have um, one of my kids going into high school and I'd be ready to get out. Okay, That's fair. Yeah. So... Do you feel like you were prepared to get out of the military or like what steps did you take to prepare to transition out? Had I got out when I was in California in 2016, I don't think I would have been prepared. So I think it was a blessing in disguise to do another four years and go to Maryland. Because I did get out in 2020, I had four years that I for sure knew that I would not consider reenlisting. So um, I was prepared. Um, financially, I was prepared. Emotionally, I was prepared. Um, I made plans the whole time. Um, I weighed out pros and cons for a long time. So I think I was more prepared than most. Um, I had already taken every every time an enlistment was up, I took um, 
uh, transition class to get out, and I took all of them. I utilized taking them as many times as I could. Do you think that TAPS got better the more times you took it? Because I can promise you that most people that we interview have had a very negative experience with TAPS, so I'm interested to hear if you think it helped to take it a couple times. So I took it. I took it in Washington State. I took it in California. I took it in Maryland. Um, I took it once in Washington, once in California, twice in Maryland. So I think throughout the course of the 10 years, it got better. And it got better to for me when I took it two consecutive times. Um, and then every recommendation they had, taking the, res- the resume class they offered, the boots to business, the higher education, I took all of those courses following it and then took the transition class again. So I initially took the overall transition class and each one of the smaller courses and then the transition class again over the course of my last 18 months in the Navy. And for me, I felt like taking it once you kind of went in blind, you don't really know what they're talking about and you're kind of over it by the end of the five days. You're, you, you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. But then you take the other smaller courses and they kind of touch on very individual subjects, school, business, how to write your resume, how to make contacts, how to log into all these other um, sources to look for jobs. And then you take the transition class again and you start realizing all the stuff you didn't really pay attention to, the smaller details of stuff that maybe didn't really make sense because you already took those very, um, very narrowed down classes in between. So I thought it was helpful to utilize as many of the classes as they offered. And I thought over the course of 10 years, the classes definitely got better. That's cool, though. That's a definitely a different perspective. Um, I do think out of all the people that I've known that have gotten out of the military, you were by far the most prepared. You know, I, I mean, even coming out, taking the resume class, they gave me, um, they give you a book and it just shows all the, all the resources you can use to like transition um, your lingo to civilian life, how to write your resume so it's catchy, how to, what websites to put it on. And I can say when I left Maryland in January, I came to Texas in February. By March 1st, which was my very first day out of the Navy, I already had job offers. And I had, I mean, you know, I had enough job offers that every single month I really had to think if that was the best job selection for me and my family, for my kids to transition to a new life me to finish grad school um, financially if it was the best decision and so I kind of waited out through the summer but there hasn't been a month that I got out of service that I have not had at least two job offers yeah you know it makes your your story different and when it comes to transition I wonder if this played a role um, maybe subconsciously or something but the fact that you're you were at the age of what retirees would be at I'm not trying to make fun of your age or anything, so don't don't take this the wrong way. But obviously with age comes maturity, with having kids comes maturity. If somebody getting out at 30, which we've seen, you know, they don't take advantage of taps. They they joke about it. They're not as prepared. But you at 37 with a family, like, I mean, you had your, your shit together. So um, I wonder if that played a role, just the, the maturity level difference between somebody being – in their 20s to somebody being in their late 30s? I mean, I think so because, I mean, you do have to think about it. If somebody did 20 years, you know, I'm almost 38 years old, they would be retiring out of service right now. 
um, and the military may have been my only job. Before I joined the military, I had other jobs. I was a preschool teacher. I worked at restaurants. So also my responsibilities were different because I went in with a two-year-old and I came out and now I have a 14 and an eight-year-old. So um, my responsibilities were much different going in while in service and discharging out. So I definitely think it has something to do with it. But I mean, the resources are there. If you don't use them, no matter what age you are, it's not going to play in your favor. Yeah. I didn't think about that until you just said that, that you had normal jobs before the military. That's true, because I didn't. And I wonder if going forward, the more stories that we hear from veterans, if we talk to those that went in at a later age, if their transition was slightly better because they understood the real world. Because I joined when I was 17, and all I knew was the military. I didn't know how to function outside of the system. So, Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I worked at a grocery store before I joined. I <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't like even, I don't know, it wasn't that legit of a job. So, um, but still, beforehand, it gives yeah. you a little taste of the real world before you fall into that system. So, you were super prepared. Um, did you make any mistakes, though, like as you were getting out, or what were some of the mistakes that you made that looking back, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that? I mean, I don't think, like I said, I think the timing had I got out in 2016, I already foresaw a lot of mistakes I would have made. Um, but the most common mistakes that I watched people around the same time as me getting out was not knowing their money situation prior to getting out and then realizing one day they don't have a paycheck. Um, so not being prepared to move, not being prepared to pay bills and not have a paycheck and not utilizing resources, not knowing that um, the unemployment rules, not knowing how to utilize USA jobs, not utilizing fleet family services, not utilizing the VA or all these other programs that offer you help to find a job or transition you or how not to, you know, people not utilizing their, the e-benefits website, those types of things. A lot of people don't they know the resources are there, but they don't really know what the resources do for them. They don't make the resources work for them. Mm-hmm. They just know they're out there. That's, wow, perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a really great answer. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of wisdom behind how you got out of the military. Like as a friend watching you do it, you were way more prepared than I ever was. Um, and I think the money thing is a big issue with a lot of service members getting out is they're so used to receiving that paycheck on the 1st and the 15th that the thought of not receiving it isn't a thing until you don't. And then you're like, oh man, that's this true. Is not good. Right. Did you, um, or they don't really know how the paycheck works. So they go to get out and they think they have one more or they think they have yeah. another month worth pay. And then they don't, and, you know, they start scrambling around. And because they already didn't pay attention to the resources they were going to be offered, they don't even know what to do. Did you, um, did you start your VA process prior to getting out? I did. So I started my VA process. I initially was erroneously put up for med board um, to be discharged out of service about 18 months prior to my end of service. Right. Um, that took six to eight months, and then they realized it was erroneous, uh, erroneously put in there. 
they closed it out. And then by the time that happened, I was within about 180 days discharge. So they did an early discharge, um, all the early discharge paperwork, and they started processing all my appointments. So I got out February 29th. March 1st was my first day of civilian life. And by April, I was already receiving my benefits. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I actually work for the third-party company that processed my VA benefits. Interesting. I'm sure that, yeah, because the VA itself is just obviously a headache for some, but to have it all lined up, even like you mentioned, the paycheck thing, but doing what you did, um, brought in those benefits. Um, so, you, yeah, like your transition was like bulletproof. Well, and I've heard a lot of really good things about Texas. And when you get out of the military in Texas, like, can you speak to that at all, Randy? Sure. So when I got here, um, I immediately got on the, there's a Texas Veterans website, just most states have it anyways, or you can go to the VA website and it's going to direct you to ask for benefits that are available in your state and they send you a packet. Um, when I got here, I changed my place over uh, because I was already rated by the VA. Um, you turn in your discharge paperwork and your rating letter. Your plates are offered disability plates if you're over, I believe, 30%. So then it also waives your toll fees. Um, there's all types of state taxes and property taxes that go along with that as well. Those being waived or credited back to you. And then there's a bunch of groups out here just for veterans, female veterans, disabled vets. Um, specifically military sexual trauma vets. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a large support system out here. That's awesome. Yeah, you do hear a lot of veterans go to – were you from Texas? No, I'm originally from California. Just... I, I moved out here because my support system was out here. Okay. Um, a lot of people I served with all live in the same neighborhood. We live within two miles of each other, and then I have some family out here. Okay. I tried to convince her to come to Wisconsin. She said something about snow, choice. snow and cold. She tried and I tried. She tried her best, but I don't even know what's up there. I think it gets too cold. Maybe I like winter, but not that much winter. Nope. I like sun, but not that much sun. So no, you made a great choice. <laughs> I'm not from Wisconsin, so yeah, you made a great choice. <laughs> but you ended up in Wisconsin. How? Uh, my wife won that argument. So. Oh, you're married. That makes sense. Yeah, just yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't stand a chance. So here I am. So it happens. What uh I think you've talked about a lot of the positives that happened during your transition and like what you focused on, which I think um is beneficial. But what resources, because it, it sounds to me like you used every resource. Um, what resources did you find to be the best resources? Um, I mean, I use Military One Source as a transition for counseling services. I used, um, when I first got here because we were in COVID, there was some other resources. Um, my housing offered my first month for free. So I lived here the first 30 days without paying any type of deposit or rent. Um, and I, I, think, I think that was more local. 
I, the VFW was the one who had directed me and said that um, that would work. Mm-hmm. I've used uh, Fleet and Family Services prior to getting out while I was still transitioning. I mean, I I know a ton of resources. I used resources while I was in, and I kind of just got to know all those resources while I was enlisted and kind of know the, the ups and downs of how to make it work for me. Mm-hmm. And when I went to go out and get out, I just did the same thing. I started Googling. Um, I started getting on websites and seeing what was offered and how it could benefit me and my family to get out. Did you, um, did you, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. Did you ever use TextVet? They're in Texas. Did I ever use what? It's called TextVet. Have you ever heard of that? No. All right. No. What about um, the vet center? Yes. You did use that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a resource that we commonly tell people about. Yeah, especially post 9-11. Mm-hmm. It's a good resource. Um, so I'm afraid to even ask this question because Lord only knows the type of advice you're about to give to all the people that are listening. Right. <sighs> now I'm nervous. <laughs> now I'm nervous about what you're going to ask about being nervous about. Let me pull my feet up for this. I'm ready. What, if you could give advice to people getting out of the military, young people, people who did 20, people in your shoes, like, what's some of the advice that you would share with those people? The biggest one is ask questions before your end of service. Ask resources. The worst that's going to happen is they're going to tell you they don't know, or they'll tell you to Google it. They'll tell you to look it up. They'll tell you to call fleet and family. They'll tell you to call military one source. They'll tell you to call wounded warriors. They're going to tell you to call somebody. They're going to tell you to Google something. Look it up. See what they got. There's an answer for everything. Even if you, if you don't like the answer that you're getting, then Google it yourself. There's a ton of resources. You know, when my dad passed and I was in service, the first thing I didn't think about how I, how I was going to get there. I just wanted to know how soon I could get home. And I just remember being so frantic, but knowing I just needed to be home from Maryland to California. And the first thing I did, I Googled. And then I started asking all the people around me who were at work. Do you guys know any, like, I, I don't have a ton of money. If I buy a ticket today, it's going to be $2,000. I have a family, all these things. And I found a nonprofit that sent me to and from my, my home in California round trip twice while my dad was sick and after he passed just by googling and asking questions you know there's a resource for everything mm-hmm. um so know your resource ask your people yeah that's great um what was that nonprofit that helped you out it was i think helping heroes that sounds right i think you're right that's a, it was a nonprofit that basically they buy your plane ticket to get you from your duty station to your home for emergency. What's the name of it? Helping Heroes. I've never heard of that. It's called mm-hmm. Helping Heroes Fly. Helping Heroes Fly, yeah. It was, yep. uh, I remember when that happened and they just. Right, they just, they buy tickets. Um, they'll buy you a ticket to and from wherever, you know, some people need airfare to go home and see their children be born. Some people 
just want to go home after a deployment and they can't afford to. But that was all just from asking. I asked the senior chief and he was like, you know, there's there's all types of programs that'll pay for it. And Red Cross would have. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to I didn't want to use them as my first look because I already knew them and I knew the way that program works. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know all of my resources. And so when I Googled we found that one, they got me home. Yeah, awesome. I've never heard of that one, but it sounds really good. It's not yeah, directly it's not just for the Navy, right? No, it's any branch. No, all branches. Yeah, I've never heard all of that. branches. So I have They're I have an Colorado. I have an additional question that I just thought about. Um because oh, no. okay. <laughs> I want to catch you Did off I guard. <laughs> um, Let me roll on my sleeve. <laughs> if you had to give a female advice about going in to the military, what advice would you give to her? Going into the military? Yeah. Um, I would say... You know, that's a hard one. Um, I feel like this is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I wasn't trying to make it loaded. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's a good one is always know your worth and that your your work is just as valuable as anyone else's. I think it's really good. Yeah, that's good. Solid. And if you had to give advice to a female getting out of the military, what advice would you give? I mean, I, th- I think it's the same thing. Just know your worth. I think a, a lot of times we come out and um, we think that we need to enter into a different platform of work or we need to stand for something or be a, kind of fit into a different mold mm-hmm. so we can fit into the workforce, whether it be in or out of service. And I think that if you know your worth and you know that your work is just as valuable as the man or woman next to you that um, you won't have a problem, you know, go for what you want, whether that's the, the job field you worked in the military or outside of service, know what you want, be confident that regardless of whose work field is considered that it's just as obtainable to you as anyone else. I worked in a male predominant field in the Navy. And when I got out, if I wanted to work as um, a diesel mechanic, I I would have gone in there like I own the place, just like anybody else, and made sure that they knew. And for me, it, it is kind of different because I have a non-gendered name, I guess. Randy could be a male or a female, so they might not know whether I was a male or a female upon putting me up for an interview, but sometimes those things um, in service because of sometimes the, I guess the, the way things are ran, um, we get told that we can only do certain things in a certain job or fit to a certain field. So you really have to know your worth and know that you're, you're just as valuable as anybody else, gender aside. That's good. Good answer. You pass. <laughs> did I get like you get a gold star for today? Yeah, you get a gold star for the day, but you still have to go back to work. 
oh yeah, I still have to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, is there um, is there anything else you want to share? Um, this is your chance. Uh, words of wisdom or a funny joke or uh, well, an appropriate. Well, oh, none of my jokes are appropriate. I was going to say an yeah, appropriately a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have very appropriate jokes. So I might get kicked off. <laughs> well, we don't want that. You guys would get like well, Howard Stern like reported phone calls well, and stuff. I can imagine some of the listeners are civilians and don't understand military humor and that mm. kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. they probably get offended. You got to be mindful of that sometimes. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I heard not everything that comes out of comes out of our joking is appropriate out in the real world. That's the word on the street. Yeah. Yeah, word on the street. <laughs> it used to be on the deck place, now it's on the street. There, there you go. That's a good one. That's um, all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story and um, just a lot of useful resources, I think. And so we're really excited about that. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for coming. And it's unlike all the other ones we did, yours is, again, a unique story because you went in at a later age and those kind of things. Um, but everybody's story is unique, and I think yours was really well. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. All right, you guys take care. You too. That was good. I think that one was a not so much a tough one because, like, obviously the goal with the podcast is to talk about transitions. And I know we spent a lot of time with the other interviews and we will have more in the future that are very difficult transitions. Mm -hmm. I think it is great to hear a positive transition. Yeah. One that gives hope that any veteran can do what she did. Um, any military person who's looking to get out can can go down that path and do what she did. And um, I think it just gives a perspective on the good side of transition. Well, and if you're active duty right now and you're getting ready to get out and you're listening to all our podcasts, you're like, oh, my goodness, I am not getting out. Yeah. Like, Re-enlist. there's yeah. hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So. no, I think it was, I, I think that's really good um, for anybody to hear the good side of things because, again, veterans, I think we spend a lot of time on the negative side of, like, the VA and transition. Mm-hmm. You don't get to find those stories of positive transitions that were very successful. And um, even though they had adversity with the family and kids, she wasn't just by herself. So no, I think it went really well. Yeah, I agree. Anything else for today? No. Thank you for listening to a veterans podcast today. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if interested in being on the show, you can find us at aveteranspodcast.com or on Instagram at a veterans podcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need. Till next time. We'll see you guys. <laughs>